This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Blair Butler and Charles Soule. When you're absolute beginners, it's a panoramic view from Her Majesty Mount Zion.
Hey, this is Josh Flanagan from iFanboy.com. Today we are going to be talking to Blair Butler and Charles Soule, but this is probably a different kind of show than you're usually used to with the straight interviews. Uh, you may know that Blair is on G4, and she has a new comic book coming out from Image Comics called Heart, uh, drawn by Kevin Mellon. And Charles is uh, a writer for Image as well with a book called 27, which is in its uh, sort of second uh, miniseries now. And um, I have tried to make comics in the past. I've made comics. I've tried to get them published. I've tried to do all sorts of stuff, and the story behind it is that uh, back in February, I wrote a piece about why I had failed to be published so far in comics, and uh, Blair had mentioned it and said that she read it and uh, related to it, and, and I was very flattered about that, and I've been talking to Charles a lot off and on uh, about making comics, and we decided to do a show where we talked about our experiences uh, at this end of comics, at the very beginning of, of learning how to do the craft and, and getting yourself published and the kind of things that you have to work on. And uh, I just I think it was an invaluable conversation for anybody who is interested in making comics, and uh, it's a definite must listen. I learned a lot. Uh, the other two people in the conversation said they did too, so I certainly hope you get something out of it. So let's get started. Hey, this is Josh from iFanboy.com, and I'm here today with with two image writers, and we're gonna have a, a fun conversation. Hopefully, I'm here with uh, Blair Butler, writer of Heart. Hello, howdy. You may know her from her her television appearances, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> um, and uh, Charles Soule of uh, 27. How's it going? Very good. Um, <clears throat> now, now the, the reason that this came up is that uh, you guys are both um, at sort of different stages, but it's sort of beginning to uh, I break into writing comics and, and have some of the, the first tough published. Charles, you've had a couple of things out there, but not a household name yet. Uh, and then Blair, you've got your first book coming out, and I thought it would be fun, and, and Blair, you did too, to uh, sort of talk about this early stage, this part of, of breaking into comics and deciding to make comics and, and, and getting it done from, from, I guess, from a writer's perspective, since that's what everybody here is. Uh, I've got a little experience with it myself, but uh, that's where we're at. Um, but before we get going, uh, real quick, now, now Blair, your your book, Heart, you, you're all, you're doing press for this thing all over the place. I've seen it, but if uh, I am. if people don't know, uh, when's it come out and, uh, and, and what is it? Sure thing. Uh, so the book uh, comes out November 2nd. Uh, I'm doing it with artist Kevin Mellon, um, who did Love Struck with Dennis Hopeless at Image, uh, and um, with uh, Letters and Logos by Crank. Um, and basically, the, the comic is about um, uh, this guy who's kind of like this aimless office drone, doesn't know what he's going to do with his life, and he follows his older brother into the world of cage fighting, where he suddenly discovers he has an amazing talent for knocking dudes out, and uh, it's kind of about his journey from the, the absolute bottom rungs of uh, this very sort of nascent sport um, all the way up the chain and kind of what happens to him through that process. Very cool. Charles, you uh, you were the author of, of Strongman um, previously, and now uh, you just started in the second series, or set, as you've, you've called them, of, uh, of 27 for Image. So why don't you give me the quick rundown? Sure. Well, Twenty Seven is a is a book about music. It it sort of started with the idea that you know a bunch of musicians and artists have died at age twenty seven. That whole Twenty Seven Club thing that that Amy Winehouse just recently joined, and uh, it, it it sort of it's it's you know we're in the second arc of it now. Um, the the first arc was was sort of uh, it was well received, which was really nice, and and now we're just trying to keep it going. It's like a you know you keep a spinning plate going, but. The, the, the book is really about, um, you know, creativity and fame and, and, and all the choices that people make to, to 
to get something creative out there and then and whether it's more important to be famous or to be good and and, and all those choices which I think are going to some be some of the topics we talk about today so yeah plus magic don't forget that yes. part some magic too there's some magic um well cool I I guess I guess the 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 good place a good place to start would be Something uh, in each of you, in all of us, uh, m- makes you say, oh, "Yeah, I want to. I want to make a comic book." And maybe I don't draw so well, but you know, where was where was that spark? I guess where you, you first said, "I, I want to. I want to make. I think I want to make a comic book. I want to. I want to script something and have this made." Uh, you know, Blair, where that where that begin? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, I've always loved comics, um, and you know, that's that's a component of my job at G Four. Um, but you know, a lot of it was that I, I'm a writer. I, I write for Attack of the Show as well, and um, you know, comics had always sort of been this holy grail for me of these things that I've read, and they were, you know, I just absolutely adored comics. I also felt like um, there were brilliant comics coming out, and especially. Um, in the last five years, like I feel like the level of comic book storytelling, especially um, outside the big two, you know, the big two have been amazing as well. But, you know, independent comics, I feel like we're in this sort of golden age of, of comics writing. And um, after a while of, of covering them, I thought there's a story I really want to tell. Um, and you, you almost when you're covering comics, and I'm sure, Josh, you've experienced the same thing there's that point where you feel like you want to, instead of talking about other people's comics all the time, you want to actually like put your money where your mouth is a little bit. And it's, by the way, it's totally terrifying. Like when you, um, (laughs) you know, when a component of what you do for a living is, is sort of being critical of other people's books, you know, you're terrified because what if you create, what you create is a total success. Like what if it's awful, you know, um, where do you have a leg to stand, especially, you know, if you've been tough on someone else's book. And, um, I just felt like this was a story I was dying to tell. And I got so incredibly lucky and we can talk about this more later, but, um, the finding an artist and a collaborator, especially when it's a creator owned work is very, very daunting for people. And I'd love to go into more detail about that later. Uh, We, we, we certainly can. That, that will not be a problem. Um, and and I will go back and touch on that thing too, uh, Charles. Where where did your where did this begin for you? I'm not actually sure what sort of a a comic fan. I mean, you're 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 a fan. You read the comics, but w- you know, when did you say I'm I'm going to make comics? And how long have you been working at it? You know, the the story is a little. It's weird, a little bit. It's it's not you know quite as odd. Maybe as Blair's story, being a, a TV personality, uh, you know, commenting on comics and writing them. Mine is mine is more like, you know, I, I basically I, I had a. I was in grad school and I was studying for a very heavy day job and, and I was I was a big music guy and I knew that when I got out of of grad school I was gonna have to do this heavy day job and I wouldn't really have time to to do music. I wouldn't really you know, people weren't gonna be like, sure, you know, go ahead and bail at four o'clock to go do your happy hour gig or whatever it was gonna be. So <laughs> I and I'd always enjoyed writing, and and so I thought that what I would do instead, as a creative outlet, was was write. And so I started writing novels. I jumped into a a huge, you know, historical fiction book about ancient China set in four hundred eighty. This whole thing, and 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 I wrote it, and it was it was long, and and I got an agent with it, and it was it was you know it took me like four years, and I was very excited about. It. I thought this was my ticket. Any any, sent it out to to editors. And uh, he's like, all right, so the way this works is the, the manuscript goes out to editors. I've, I've talked it up. They, you know, I think it's great. 
go out six weeks later, they'll all come back with their bids, then we'll set up a bidding war and it'll be fantastic. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm gonna, can't wait to quit, it's gonna be really good. Um, quit my day job, that is. And then six week comes and you know, the, all the, the, the feedback was basically, you know, we like it, we think it's really good, it's well written, but we, we don't think we can sell it. We don't think it's commercial enough. So you know, my agent was like, all right, so what else you got? And, and you know, that, that experience was, was incredibly disheartening. And so, you know, you, you work that long, you're in this sort of echo chamber. And then I, um, I, at the same time, I've been kind of bouncing around the Bendis board, you know, that the message board that Brian Michael Bendis has set up to, to kind of engage with his fans and people talk about comics. And, and on that, people were talking about doing an anthology, um, of just short, short stories, like eight pagers. Uh, and, and I kind of was like, well, that seems easy compared to, well, easy is, it's relative. Yeah, simple compared to writing a novel for four years. So I jumped to it. I wrote a script. People seemed to really respond to it. And then from there, I'm like, wow, this is the, the, the immediacy of doing this and collaborating with, with an artist. You're not just sort of alone in your room typing on a, on a, on a keyboard. All It just seemed really appealing. And I've been a comics fan. You know, we all have since growing up. And so that kind of was the first step that got me into it. So I'm, I'm a failed novelist and, and hopefully at some point a, uh, you know, successful comic writer. We'll see. A day job quitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Now, when you did that original short story, because it was through the Bendis board, did you did you have trouble finding an artist? Um, you know, the, the Bendis board is, is like a seething cauldron of people who want to be comics writers. I mean, you know, yeah. I, Nick, I know Nick Spencer came out of there. Um, there. There's a lot of people who, who kind of, you know, were, were there back in those days. This is probably 2004, 2005. And, and so really, it, it actually was not difficult to find artists. There's lots of artists there. The guy I worked with at the time was a guy named John Rubio, who's based in Austin, who's, who's phenomenal um, and, and has not gone on to do as much comics work as she should. But, but you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't as hard as I would have thought. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, now, now, Blair, you, you hooked up with Kevin Mellon, who's, who's, a, who's a pro. You know, he's, he's, he's done some stuff. He's been around a little bit. Um, but, I mean, had you, had you had experience sort of trying to find somebody before and, and failing at it? You know, uh, I I had a little bit um, in the sense that it, that I had made a few inquiries and um, I had I had had some some uh, like I had I talked to a couple people um, who had some stuff come up, um, but what happened was I was talking to Jonathan Hickman and I basically uh, said, you know, I I have this first issue written. It's in the can. It was actually New Year's Eve this year, and I said, you know, I've I've had a tough time um, finding someone to collaborate with. And he said, you know, there's this guy who's absolutely going to be great. I just did a Shield backup story with him, and his art style has really changed dramatically um, over the last six months. And uh, he he sent me a link to Kevin's page, and I was just I there were there were so many things about it that I loved. Um, on top of that, he lives in Kansas City, which is where Hart is actually set. Yeah. Um, which it just it seems like a sign from the heavens. But um, you know the the thing to to keep in mind for for maybe people that are trying to do creator own comics, and really that's become the calling card to to get in at, at some of the other publishers is having you know a successful um, creator own book, which typically is published um, through Image. You know. It's it's really kind of the it's kind of the only game in town for this kind of thing. Yeah, that artist, you know, and I think there was a pretty amazing article that I, I want to say Stephen Bissett just wrote about this, mm-hmm. but I could I might be I might be wrong. Um, but but basically, you know, the writer can 
write and produce a fair amount of content rather quickly. But that artist is committing to a month, you know, of just doing the book that he's not getting paid for up front. Um, you know, I think some people are, are lucky and can compensate up artists up front. But, you know, not only that, but won't get paid, um, you know, under that publishing model um, until the book has come out, been out for a while, and hopefully is successful. So there's, it's a huge gamble for the artist. I, I was so lucky because... Kevin is, um, I always joke, he's about to blow up, but not like in the movie Scanners. Like, he's going to be, he's going to be great. You know, he's not going to like physically explode, but he's going to blow up. Like, I feel like. not, right? It's good for you. Tragedy. Um, Yeah, no, but I mean, I think he's, he's, he's destined for really great things. And, um, you know, it just happened that, that he had this, this time opening and that he really resonated, uh, you know, the story resonated with him. So I felt extraordinarily lucky. Blair, can I jump in? Have you seen Warrior yet? Because this just seems like your it seems like your kind of flick. I have seen it, yes. And I was actually um the the one thing that I was really happy about when I saw it was, oh good, it's not anything like the book I'm doing. Well, I mean, course, in the sense right? that it's the same subject matter, but you know, that's always the fear because the lead time on comics, you know, one I think a, a really interesting misconception, um the lead time on comics is as long if not you know, um, equally as long as like getting a film in development, yeah. you know, yeah. it can take, it can take like two or three years, uh, from, you know, you having the idea to, to actually getting even the six pages for a publisher to approve just because of that, that process is really convoluted. Um, so, you know, I, I did see warrior and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is that there's sort of like every, uh, sports movie cliche in it. And yet, um, but the performances works, right? and the direction yeah. are so good. Yeah. That it's, that it's really powerful. Yeah, and that's a great really, song really by the national too. at the end. I kind of welled up at the end, actually. I did too. That's totally. what that's that's what a sports movie is supposed to do, ironically enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> it's interesting that you bring up that lead time thing because I think that's something that a, a lot of people don't know. And and if you are uh, working on comics and trying to make them, you might not know it until it's happening to you. Uh, when you're like, I I feel like something should be happening sooner, and this shouldn't take year longer you know things like that and and you know some of that comes from the fact that uh, a writer can write very fast uh, theoretically even a slow writer can write six eight ten might not be good but you can definitely write write (laughs) well a a, a comic book script you know you can write a comic book script for six eight ten pages you know if you're really dragging your heels you know a month like that's ridiculously slow right now Compare that to what an artist uh, who has a, f- a full-time job or or something else, you know, can only draw, you know, uh, you know, when they have time to do it. If you if you think of a, a regular sort of full-time paid comic book artist, they can do, we'll just say, on an average, a, a page a day. So that's eight, ten hours working on a page. Now take somebody else who has a day job, God forbid, a family, something like that. And how long it's going to take them to do, say, twenty-two pages or something like that. But also, you know, that that one page per day is not a finished page. And usually, it's right. pencils. You know, so so there's still a whole other cycle or two cycles. And then and then if you're going for color, you got color, and then there's letters, and then there's all sorts of production stuff that comes into it, and it can take a really long time to to get all that done. And it, it's it is it can be incredibly grating, and and it's also a little bit. I've found it's a little bit uh, hard to find the motivation to keep going uh, from the writing standpoint because you're like I I can write this now, but it's not going to get drawn until 2019. 
um, which yeah. I've I found is a, a wonderful excuse for procrastination that I've got to get around. Absolutely. I, I think it's like one of the things that, that always fascinates me um, is that as a, as a fan, as a, co- a consumer, you know, of comics, you get uh, sort of like really riled up when the comics ship irregularly, you know, when they're like, there are those infamous books where it's like, there's a year between issues. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes that's because life got in the way for someone, you know, yeah. someone got sick, um, th- you know, it, because it's, it comes down to one person like carrying that load artistically. Yeah. Um, but it was also interesting because that was a really huge um, thing for me in that I, I wanted to make sure that this book actually came out on time. And one of the nice things about that, and and again, something that maybe people don't know is that, you know, Image may, uh, or and I'm speaking solely from my, my interactions with Image, you know, Image might approve your book off six finished pages and a finished script and a pitch and everything else. But they aren't going to solicit your book until the entire first issue is done and inked and finished and lettered and everything else and uploaded because, um, you know, I think getting that first issue out, people sometimes, there's a learning curve. You realize, oh, it doesn't take 30 days for for this artist. You know, in my case, I was really lucky um, because Kevin's very, very fast. But I think, um, you know, that's that's a fact of life, too. So between the time you solicit it um, and when it comes out can be months and months and months and you know, I, I feel really lucky because we have um, several issues finished now. Um, and, you know, it, the book doesn't come out for, as of this interview, I think, like, over a month. Yeah. Uh, so so it's nice to know that, like, hey, those first those first couple issues will ship on time no matter what because they're done. Now, now past that um, initial six, eight pages, Charles, how did you navigate the artistic fields? Well, because I mean, not for nothing, but no one knows you at all, you know, at that point, you know, like, because I, you know, Blair, you know, people know you in comics. You've been around the industry. Me, you know, people know me in comics. Not that it helped me very much, uh, but but it is it is like a a thing. So if you don't have that at all, I mean, you know, how did you deal? Well, well, basically what I what I did on on, on both of the the two series that I have out to date and and it's changed for me, fortunately, like I, I think, you know, it's a little different these days, which is nice. But but in the early days, I mean, I really wasn't uh, you know an, a completely unknown commodity. And so what I what I decided to do with with Strongman, which was my first sort of series, which came out uh, through the great people at SLG, um, artist is Alan Gladfelter, who's a who's a phenomenal talent. So basically, what I decided to do was was I put together the I think it was an eight page pitch, and I showed that to Dan Vado, who's the guy who runs SLG, and he's like, yeah, this is cool. You know, I, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't like I'm picking it up right now, but this is cool, and and please touch base with me if you you know as it continues. So I was like, you know what, if it if it gets picked up by SLG or not, I just I'm going to have a finished book at some point. So I I greenlit Alan to sort of keep, and I was I was paying him, so I, I was like, just keep drawing, and and I went back to Dan when the book was about, I think we had something like. 50 pages of it and I and I and I uploaded them to I, I said here's what I have and he's like all right upload them to the SLG server I'll take a look and I did that and I was expecting an answer you know in, in 48 hours no less of course right and then I didn't hear anything I didn't hear anything at all for maybe nine months and then I finally got an email back that said listen you know I, I'm sure you this has already been picked up someplace else but if you want to you still want to do it with us then you know we'll do it and I of course I was like yes absolutely you know I'll, I'll go ahead and do it um, and, and by that point we had, had, we almost had the book finished, so it was easy to do. Um, similar thing sort of with 27 in that I, I thought, 
you know, I when I when I pitched it to to Image, I had um, I think I think sixty pages of it finished. Oh of wow! The, uh, of the final, you know, ninety six or whatever it was, and and I think that you know this this might not work for everybody, and I know particularly if you're paying your artist, it's a big investment or whatever the situation might be, it, it can be difficult to accomplish this. You have to have enormous faith in what you're creating. All, all the reasons why it's daunting to do that. But I think that whenever a publisher is taking a chance on an unknown creator, uh, one of their biggest considerations is, is the work going to get done, right? Is this going to be, you know, something that, that we can actually publish if we actually encourage someone to do it? Like, they don't want to wait five years for it. So when I came to them with books that, that clearly showed that I could get the pages out, I think that they were, it was a little easier to say yes. Mm-hmm. And and I don't necessarily want people running out and, and, and you know, doing 100-page huge things before they have a publisher unless they really, really believe in what they're doing. Well, I but, have the second mortgage thing all filled out, though. Yeah, exactly. But, but it sort of worked, it worked for me on, on those, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting because that's, that's another way to go about it. it, it I think one of the things that's coming is you mentioned SLG and, and we were talking about image. It's really starting to feel like there's not a lot of, there's even, there's even less options because you know, the market's contracting and, and you yeah. know, people are selling their books or whatever. But you know, if you want to do a series like an ongoing series of any kind, or even a mini, you've got image at this point. There's, there's only sort of, they have a different kind of market. Uh, and then after that, you end up with this whole, area of sort of third tier uh uh publishers you know like that maybe somebody will see it maybe they won't but you're you're not i mean unless you're brian leo malley you're never going to move more than three thousand five thousand books and that's beer money basically mm-hmm. and which which are you know i don't think any anybody on this call ha- has any ideas of like oh we're going to break sales record and make tons of money on on the sort of first comic you put out and no. it's sort of a no. that's sort of a known I, I quantity a, a black and white comic about sports yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like, could it be any more uncommercial? But it, you know, that just happened to be the story that I was dying to tell. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think the other thing for people trying to, you know, and, and trust me, I have absolutely no illusions that the fact that the, that I'm a lady that talks on your television sometimes uh, was like a huge asset in getting people to even look at what I was sending out at the script and the pitch and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, but but one thing that's interesting for people to know is, you know, Image has a policy where, you know, the creators, the writer and the artist, and you probably, um, you know, when you collaborate with that person, unless you're, you are paying that, that artist or that color or that letterist, you may be doing a right split where, um, you know, say that, that that property gets made into a movie, you know, you guys are going to split it 50-50 or whatnot, um, you know, and... and uh, I, th- I think it's interesting to note that, that there are other smaller publishers that obviously aren't Marvel and DC, but I think Image may be one of the only ones left where your the rights are yours. 100%. And 100%. Most other places, even the deals have changed dramatically since the early days of like Vertigo um, and other publishers. You know, the, the sort of creator-owned concept has definitely changed um, in the contemporary marketplace because let's let's face it, a lot of these comics... Um, you know, are optioned as films now. And and by the way, the reality of that too, and I hope I'm not um, talking out of turn. Yeah, don't but, you be know, too I think discouraging, you know? I mean, well, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not yeah. trying to be discouraging at all. It's just, I think it's, it's good for people to know because I think people also mm. read, hey, this comic's been optioned, that comic's been optioned. It seems like <laughs> tons of comics have been optioned, but sometimes those options can be extremely small. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I oh, think people... Always. I mean, matters of, of 
like as far you know as far as I understand it, you know, as low as you know a couple thousand dollars, you know, yeah, something like that. It's numbers. Initially. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It, people hear movies and they go, "Oh, he got paid. He got his check." Well, no, not really. He could pay half his bills for a month, you know, and that's yeah. split. Two, you know, four you got two thousand dollars to have someone have the right to shop it around for six months. You yeah. know, so I think, I think, um, because I I live in LA, I think there is some weird um, concept sometimes where you'll <laughs> you'll meet like people at parties, uh, and I don't know if this has happened to you guys that are like screenwriters, I, I don't go to whatever, parties. and you're like, oh, I you know I oh, I cover comics for a living. And they're like, oh, man, I have this screenplay that nobody bought. But, like, I was thinking about turning that into, the com- into a Ugh. comic. And I'm always like, hey, I don't know if – I don't think that's actually maybe the best idea. Because <laughs> that, that transition, you can sometimes really tell, mm. I've found. Yeah, yeah. When, it, when it's some, someone's, I, you know, pitch, it's, it's someone's film pitch, you can sort of read, read the comic and go, oh, this is someone's uh, – someone's, uh, you know, four-issue film pitch. Well, and those never seem to resonate with the comic audience, which I no. think is sort of telling. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's not why they made it at all in the first place. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think I think the thing that comes out from, from what you guys have both said is that, you know, you make comics because you want to make comics. Mm-hmm. If you really want to do it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really that, you know, it, the rewards are in, are in the creation of, of the comic. And, and, you know, if you're lucky, people will like it and you'll get to talk to them and they'll enjoy it. But it's really, it's, it's about making a comic. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess then, then I guess one of my questions would be: So, what's what's your goal? What what are you? In? I mean, because we we'd sort of mentioned earlier that uh, if you look at sort of the people who have uh, blown up in the past few years in in mainstream comics, and by that I mean people who can make a living writing comics because yeah. of you know basically, mm-hmm. which is Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, um, that's Robert about, Kirkman, yeah, Robert Kirkman, right. That's a but but basically those are the only place people who are paying anybody a living wage to do it. Like what what are your goals? I mean, Charles, you'd mentioned you want to you want to quit your day job. Blair, are you going to say goodbye to the TV? <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's the goal? Um, you know, I I think for me it's really. I mean, I, I had a. I mean, like I've always been sort of a. You know, I think we all have been creative people since since you know we're young, and I think it would just you know my, my I, I, if the day job stays that's okay, but I just want to be able to have a situation where I am where I'm creating work that is getting out to an audience. I've, I've sort of scaled back my, my goals a little bit and mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I'm realistic about it. And I think that that, based on what's happened with, with Strongman and then certainly 27, you know, people, you know, people are reading, are reading these books. And, and if I'm smart about it and I can, and I'm, you know, kind of cagey about it and I do what I'm supposed to do, I can keep getting projects out there in a way that people will hopefully read. And, I think that is is a great goal. I mean, I think that there are people, there are many, many writers who, who are who, who don't even have that. You know, who, who who the projects are sort of they languish in obscurity. And you know, writing a successful comic, you know, successful comic can be measured in a bunch of different ways. But as long as as long as I'm writing stories that people are are kind of some people are reading, I'm that's that's very rewarding actually. So you wouldn't mind just just keep doing the kinds of things that you're doing now? You know, I, I think it I think it builds. You know, if you if you've written, you know, right now I've basically written two two things, okay, two things that have gotten out that the people have read, mm-hmm. to to greater or lesser extent, you know, and and these are out, and and if I keep doing them, at certain some point that'll be ten things that people have have read, and and at that point, you know, that's a body of work, and I think it builds on itself, and and you know, other opportunities tend to come up. I'm now, already seeing other things, you know. Now, do you have have you have you got a bunch of other projects that you've that you've sort of brought to a certain point that didn't go anywhere? Um. You know, it's it's funny because I have I have a lot of 
I have a lot of written things. I have a lot of finished scripts, a lot of finished projects. But it's what Blair was talking about earlier that, you know, getting the artist, getting the project, getting it perfect is, you know, to the point where it's really ready to go. It takes forever. I mean, I've got mm-hmm. one that I like I know is 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 great. Well, you know, as as much <laughs> as you can be sure that anything you've done is great, I'm pretty sure this is great. And um, I, I'm on my third artist for it. Like it just hasn't worked out with the other two guys yeah, and, and the I've third guy is fantastic, but it's still taking forever. So, you know, I, I did, I mean, I've been working on this sort of in the background. I've always had a, a, another job that's taken up a lot of time, but I've been working on this sort of on and off for a really long time. And, and like that first project, one of the things that I found is that I, even if my script was okay, uh, I didn't know a lot about, first of all, I was sort of begging for an artist so, you know, you get the guy who comes along and they do it and you think, oh, this looks pretty good because you've never seen your stuff drawn before. So that's pretty exciting. And then as you learn more, you sort of see, oh, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff about comic art that I didn't know. And then I'm starting to learn and that is sort of lacking. And and when you bring your comics to the market in the, in the sort of if you want it to be published by image or somebody like that, like they have to be perfect. And, and Blair, you'd actually sort of touched on this. It, you know, you're known as a person who talks about comics. I'm known as a person who talks about comics, and and I I try to be very fair. You know? But at the same time, some things you know you have to call out; they're not good. But it's also like the idea of of thinking that you're going to come to the world with your first comic and have it be perfect is absurd because there's a real learning curve. Absolutely, I I've been stunned at the amount I don't know. <laughs> you know, and uh, it just really. The, the the learning curve, especially on the first issue, is so steep. Like that first issue you ever write, even if you have all the basics down and the mechanics down and the pacing down, you know there are things where um, you know I don't I don't have an artist's eye. So like panel count um, or or the way that the page is broken, you know, may not lend itself to to a great visual narrative. And so it's it's a collaboration. Um, but again, yeah, you're just learning a ton. You Have make you, so many, uh, I've made personally, like tons of stupid rookie noob mistakes. And uh, oh, that was noob, not nude, thankfully. Um, <laughs> I didn't enunciate that very well. But um, it's, it's, it's really daunting, and yet at the same time, I have not. I can I can honestly say this: I have enjoyed writing uh, heart more than anything I think I've written mm-hmm. in in a long time since I wrote uh, the uh, slasher school stuff for it, which was like a little animated thing we did on on uh, Attack of the Show, and I wrote a pilot for that that um, that I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. That was a blast, but like heart has been the mo- I mean, it's great. It's How- I care about it. How many issues have you written? Like, you've finished all the scripts? Uh, yeah, let's see. Issues one through three are written, um, turned in. Uh, issue four, I'm, like, tweaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but right now, Kevin Mellon is, uh, is, is penciling and inking issue three, so... Did you find that it went, uh, like, that first issues, by the way, are the most awful like you got to make sure everybody's named and all the stuff is taken care of and then at the yeah. end once you've done all that and if you're not out of room you go well was it good also was it's it's like a ton of stuff did you find that like as you got into the second and third issues it was it was much more of a groove because that's what i've felt sort of in the past yeah issues two and three well you know what was really interesting is like i've always seen from day one like the end point um for 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 you know where issue one begins, where issue four ends. Like I've always known those beats and the the breakdown of each issue by by kind of like where it ends and where it begins. Um, and it's the journey there that's like where you're sort of 
you're hashing out like how many pages does this moment get? How many panels? You know, um, to me, two and three were really easy. Four because it's the end, and I want to make sure that everything is like satisfactorily dealt with. Um, but that has been a little, a little only a little tougher, only because even though I know exactly where I'm ending up, the pacing has been of getting there from that the the sort of climax in issue three. Has been Blair, have, do, do you know there's a it's sort of what you're talking about. There's there's a term in engineering called a cludge. You ever heard that before? It's, it's basically, I have not actually. I've used that word, but I didn't know it meant anything. Yeah, a cludge is when you basically you've got a problem and you 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 know you can you can't solve it in an elegant way, and you just kind of have to shove stuff together and put some duct tape on and like <laughs> push the wires in and kind of make it work. And and it works, but it's not like smooth and pretty and elegant, right? And, and I think a lot of times in comics, like you know. Cludges happen all the time, particularly when you're in those. You got those the 24 hours before it's got the files have to be uploaded to the to the server for publication, and you're like, well, okay, this page does not work at all. I could put a caption box in and throw a little extra dialogue here, and maybe you know, <laughs> Photoshop a tiny bit, and then it works. Kind of like cludges tend to happen in those last last few hours, and but you know, if, if you're lucky, it, it works out. But I, you know, it can be it can be tough for sure, particularly with first issues. Oh. Absolutely. I love getting a page back and looking at it and going, oh, I can take all these words out. I don't need it, which doesn't happen yeah. all that often. But every once in a while it does. And, and yeah. I feel I'm like I feel like my artist when my artist succeeds at something, I'm like, yes, this that's wonderful. I hope somebody sees this someday. But um, <laughs> well, you should just I mean, what what Josh, I mean, what has what has stopped you from? I mean, why is your stuff not out there? You I've wrote ta- that great article, Josh. Yeah, I've that, ta- that I read. Like, I hard had not come out yet, but was already in progress. Mm-hmm. And I read that article, and I was like, ah, oh, this is. I've, I have felt this way many times. Okay, they're talking about an article I wrote that's called "Why I Failed in Comics," and I, I used to focus on this stuff on the site a lot more. Or I talk about this, but then it got to sort of drag on for a while. And I, I um, I've taken a couple of different approaches. Originally, uh, the idea was no one's going to publish you. I thought, well, I'd love to. I'd love to get paid to be a comic writer someday. This was a long time ago, before like this actually became my job. And you know, that first sort of project took a really long time to get going. And I sort of had one thing, and I really liked it, and and, and it died on the vine. And I didn't do enough other stuff. That's always been what's first biggest problem is I, I don't write enough. Uh, I and, but now I've like I've got stuff that's been juggling around. And yeah, the first one like I did. It wasn't good enough. Like I, I found an artist. We we worked on it. Um, the first thing I sort of ever took to anybody, and this was like a few years ago, and I pitched it to Image and, and Oni and Top Shelf and just a bunch of people, and no one took it. And the art wasn't good enough. Uh, basically, that's that's what it was. I was actually told I totally print this, but the art wasn't good enough. Now the artist. He owned half of it. So for me, like that's a that's a wash. Like I can't go find another artist for that project. I gotta think of a different thing. Cause that seemed unfair to the guy who worked really hard on it, but just wasn't quite there yet. Uh, after that I had another idea for a story that I, I really liked. This time I was a little smarter. I had worked with a guy, done a short story with a guy first to make sure that we could work together and that everything would go well. Um, I learned a lot about uh, he was much better, but uh, I think at the first that first one wasn't quite there yet either. I'm actually still working on that one very slowly. That's going to be a finished graphic novel at some point. I've actually got an offer somewhere to publish it. There you go. But I have to pay for the printing, which is oh. which is actually very common at this point. That's I've heard of that happening a lot, which I don't I kind of don't like it's all right and it's and it's good. I put like that up on my website, you know, so you could read the first issue, but it's just that's just been very slow going. That's my story about a gay cowboy. 
and it's not as a comedy thing, but as an absolutely serious thing, which is a, which is a tough pitch apparently. But uh, I love that story. And I would I, read that comic. Oh, it's great. I um, would absolutely read that comic. The second issue of that is the best thing I ever wrote. But um, with the idea being if uh, – see, and I'm totally – I'm hedging. I totally tend to not talk about my work while I'm doing my real work, which is this. So it's difficult for me a little bit, which is not false modesty. Like I feel like I shouldn't be doing it. Um, then yeah, journalistic I, integrity, right? A little bit. A little, I have a little. Well, bit. I threw that out the way yeah. years ago. So well, th- no, worry. behind the scenes, I'm all over the place with that. I've made a lot of friends. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't helped me all that much, but uh, and then the the other thing. So that I I pitched that that cowboy one, and you know, like I did eight finished pages or something like that, and and that didn't get it. So then the next project that I said, I said we're doing the entire, you know, first issue. Uh, and that was Dixon's Notch, which you can get on graphically. And this, the second issue is just about done. Uh, and that didn't get uh, picked up or published by anybody. I have no idea why these things, you know, like, uh, you know, Blair, you'd mentioned it. You know, you, we know, I, I know people, you know, people where, you know, we've got a certain kind of uh, reputation in the in the industry, but sort of for one thing and not another. Uh, I So I know it can get me in the door to a certain point. I know who to talk to. I know what to do. But that only, you know, takes me so far. You know, I, I have to. And <laughs> the other thing, like. Charles, you mentioned, you know, it took nine months for SLG to get back to you. So, like, yeah. you send somebody something, you just wait, basically. You can go back and check with them every once in a while, but it's really hard to get word back or even necessarily feedback on why, you know, you didn't, why it wasn't. Like, I'd love to have a talk with some of the editors, and I've tried this, to be like, so what was it? You know, was it not good? Was it, you know, wasn't what you felt you could sell right now? What? And that's actually really hard to get that kind of valuable feedback. I have another, I decided to do a superhero story and I found a guy and he was really good and he wrote to me and he was like, I, you know, I, I've read some of your stuff, I like it and he has a job at night so he can draw during the day and we did eight pages of this story and it was great and then somebody hired him to do something paid for a publisher. <laughs> so like I was right there and I was like, all right, this is a good project and we're, oh, okay, oh, okay, I'll talk to you after it's done. All right, thank you. And he was totally nice about it and I was, and he actually asked me and I was like, dude, go make a living, make, it's fine. Uh, it's just like the world of indie comics is uh, is slow and difficult. Well, I, you know, we should learn. I, I've thought that a million times. We should all learn to become fantastic artists, and then it won't be this. Yes. Well, you know, that's. I, I think that's one of the interesting things about Bendis is that mm. you know, I mean, granted, he went to art school. He was an artist, but if you look at his stuff today. You know, his, his art that he did, you know, you wouldn't see that on many comics now that would make any traction. It, it, the, the strength of his writing really helped, but he did go out and do it himself in the best way that he was able. And I, I do respect that. One of my first short stories that I ever did, I, I did it all with photos. My, my wife's a photographer. I wrote a script and we, you know, it, well, it was laborious. It was almost worse than working with an artist, but um, I liked how it came out. It was a fun experiment, but I, I was like, I don't want to make comics like this. <laughs> it's too hard. Jonathan Hickman did uh, sort of did that too. I mean, he... Mm-hmm. You know, he has a very unique style. It's very graphic design oriented, but he he just worked with what he had and and told some fantastic stories. I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading Nightly News and being totally blown yeah. away. And and by the way, if anyone picks up Nightly News, you know the the trade. He actually wrote an essay about his motivation getting into comics and literally the the role of the dice that he took um, to to break into the industry. And I find it to be. A really invigorating essay. I highly rec- recommend it to anyone who's thinking about getting into comics because I, I found it to be um, just extremely compelling and one of the things that got me actually thinking about, I really want to do this. Um, another thing along the lines of, of 
of an art, you know, Josh, you were talking about your artists, um, you know, getting paid work and getting hired away. I think one of the things that, um, that made Hart, um, attractive to, to Kevin because Kevin is an established artist. I mean, he mm-hmm. literally collaborated with Hickman over at Marvel on, on, um, a sh- on shield infinite, um, that, which was a, an issue of all smaller stories. Um, is that it was four issues. It was black and white. Um, you know, uh, the, the the I feel like the right split was was really equitable, um, but also it's a finite time commitment for that artist. Like mm-hmm. they know that it, it's not like I, I feel like um, pitching an ongoing series would be extremely difficult for yeah. someone yeah. who's who's a new artist. Um, and and also I feel like um, you know on that first project something something more tangible that has a very definite beginning, middle, and end is is kind of a great way to start. Uh, I mean, I think so. Mm-hmm. I've been totally bitten by the comics bug now, and I just want to to write more comics. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you know, I I also want to uh, to to get this one out, and and hopefully um, people will respond to it. You know, I'm super excited, exhilarated, and completely terrified. I I am way too nice of a sort of writer, producer, editor because you know like i'm like well i don't i don't want to take up all your time i know like i I know lots of people who are artists but i've it's definitely one of those things that i've i think i need to be more aggressive about one of the things that i've sort of done recently and and these are also slow because people are working but like now i'm I'm doing a couple of projects with artists who people know and they're just short stories and things like that it started as one thing it's morphing into another because plans never work out the way you want them to but I'm going to have pages done by amazing artists for a very short thing. I have no idea when people will see them, but I'm, I'm working really hard on it. Um, you know, I, I think um, I just just if, if one of the motive, one of the, the things we're trying to accomplish on this call is trying to give people sort of you know goals to shoot for if they're trying to make their own comics um, is 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 something sort of goes back to something Blair said a minute ago, which is that you know finite stories like. Mm-hmm. Whether they're whether you're that's just because an artist can get interested in doing it so that they're not committing themselves to 20 years of work or, or you know, the other side of that is that publishers don't really want to commit to, you know, a 25 issue maxi series or a 100 issue thing like and, and, you know, a lot of I think a lot of green writers come into this. and I know that I, I did it, too, when I was starting, like you, you think, oh, wow, I'm going to write Preacher. I'm going to write Sandman. I'm going to write some huge thing. But but you, if you bring something like that to a publisher and you don't have a body of work to support something like that, I think that an audience would buy 50 issues of your work. You're just going to they're going to you're going to get laughed out of the out of the room, whether not, it actually happens or not. Not only that, but there are a lot of very established writers, people who've oh, been yeah. around, people who have who have failed at that for them. So like you don't you kind of don't have a shot. Yeah. And, and I don't and, and that's not to be discouraging. But at the same time, if you were to come up with. Three to five issues. Three, yeah, a a three-issue miniseries that you that you had great art for and had a a strong hook, and you know that hook is important. Uh, You know, everybody's got their strengths or something like that. I find I find I'm I'm really good with dialogue and character, but that's hard to sell sometimes, which has been one of my challenges. Mm. You know, I I can I can look at that stuff, but if you have a good strong hook and you just bring those in, I think that is going to get you started. And 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 starting. Is just that. It's totally a start. After that, you're still hustling for mm-hmm. Lord knows how long. Blair? Absolutely. And, and, and one thing, and maybe Charles, actually, you might be a, a better person to answer this question, but um, as far as the number of issues, I believe there is a certain number of issues um, that you sort of have to put out. I think have a trade that will be carried 
in bookstores. Am I correct about that? I may be talking out my ass, and if so, I apologize. And also, if I'm not allowed to swear on this, I apologize because I just did. It's fine. This is not TV. Um, Well, as far as I I mean, I can only speak to what my experience has been, which is that, you know, the the trade length um, that, say, for 27 first set, right, the actual issues were ended up being something like 90 some pages. And, and we needed to pr- provide 136 pages of material for it to constitute a trade. Really? So, so that, you know, 136 pages is basically, what is that, uh, five, that's like six issues if it's only the issues. I mean, you can, we padded ours out with, with a nice backup story and, and a bunch of extra materials. And you put little interstitial things in a credits page and, a, and an introduction. Like, you can make that, you can make up the pages. But, um, but basically, yeah, I mean, a trade needs to be you know, about that length, I would say, I, I would be surprised if it was any less than 120 pages to really work. Yeah. So I think it's good for people, um, you know, cause the, the, there is an, an economic side to things too. So I think it's great to, yeah. what you said, have something finite, also sort of like have some, um, have some familiarity with, with the ways that your book can, can be distributed and what the requirements of that is. You know, for example, um, if you are trying to do a book digitally, but you're, you're, um, you know, having it it lettered for a comics format, well, when it shrinks to to fit on the iPad, those, those captions may not be readable Mm -hmm. for people. So you sort of have to like, make sure that that's, um, that those, I can't even remember if it's called vectors. Listen to me, I know nothing about um, <laughs> letters, but you know, it's it's a lot of it is is working with um, your collaborators to make sure that that the components you need to sort of get your comic out there are scalable and are um, you know executed properly. Like if if someone's um, like an artist that's great, but maybe they're new to things, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it helps for, for you to sort of like make yourself proficient and the internet is a great resource. Well, it, it, that you know, actually, gen- go ahead. Charles, go ahead. I, I mean, generally speaking, I think that, that that point or the point about the finite, like, I mean, a lot of it sort of boils down to knowing the industry and knowing what is happening right now and knowing what works and what doesn't work and, and, and sort of the technical behind the scenes details. And, and I think a lot of that comes from really just you know, going to cons and talking to people and, and going, hanging around message boards and listening to podcasts like this. And like, you have to do your research. You, I think just, you've got a story, you've got an artist, let's do it. it I don't think that's enough these days, unfortunately. No. You have to do a lot of additional research. Well, to be a comic book writer of an independent comic book is really a much bigger job than just writing it. Um, one of the things that I actually touched on in that article that, that we were talking about is that I think for me... Uh, one of the most important things that uh, one of the things that I've always needed to work on the most and, and you know, I'm, I'm in a job where this it helps, but like uh, networking is maybe the most important thing outside of talent uh, as far as getting your comics published by somebody else. You can publish them yourself all day. That's a crapshoot a little bit uh, like any comics are. But I found that a like networking to the point where, you know, if you know people who know a lot about production is totally helpful. I, I, I met a letterer who has been, uh, you know, so valuable to me and just telling me how to get things done, um, you know, and how things should be saved and, and he knows how to do the letters correctly and, and things like that. But then also, you know, I've met having Confederates, just people who actually know 
what makes good comics and bad comics. Confederates. I, I, that's fantastic that you use the word confederates. I love that word. I love in not in the others in the sense that most people, but no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, what is it, old Dixie? Or- yeah, but I mean, like, I, I actually I did an interview with with one comic book writer, and I just I got along really well with him, and I was and I asked him, and I got, I never do this. I'm sorry, but he was a pro, and I, I just said, can you look at this script? Which, by the way, is a huge pain in the ass is to read a comic book script. The, if you're not like the artist it's they're like it's hard to sort of picture him sometimes and, and everyone's format is different yeah exactly really lend exactly and and he was like yes he goes i never do this but um i want you to know if i do this i'm going to i'm going to be very honest with you and it was getting good criticism real feedback is very difficult to get but it, you know knowing people who know comics and they can help you and give you feedback has been one of the most invaluable things for me did you guys find that or have that or yeah. I have had no editorial, really. Um, I was really fortunate because um, I passed. I think it's okay to say this. I passed um, an early version of the. Well, I passed the the pitch, which was actually from the beginning to the end, the the final pitch. Passed Greg Rucka, which is like pretty amazing, and he was very kind to take a look at it. Um, and you know, other than that, um, Kevin, to before he agreed to do this project, he read the entire first issue. Um, but I mean, in a, in a weird way, Kevin Mellon, you know, it, it has been my editorial in the sense that, uh, you know, if the panels are not quite working out or if he's saying I can combine two of these, you know, he's kind of the be all and end all because at Image, there there is no editor, mm-hmm. um, so to speak, as far as someone combing over your work and suggesting things or, or taking anything away. You know, it's it, when the... The really daunting thing is, you know, if that if that comic comes out and people dislike it, well, it sinks and swims with, with me, frankly, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, sure. I can't I can't say, oh, editorial made me change this or made me kill that character or <laughs> made me well, break that's up the, their marriage. That's <laughs> like the thrill and the and the danger of it all at the same yeah. time. I think, which is so, somewhat attractive. I, yeah. Um, you know, I think you know, for my part, it, I mean, I have a group of readers who I tend to sort of. You know, I'll parcel out stuff to them. Times to my letterer tends to read my stuff a lot before uh, before it gets drawn, just to give me kind of that last gut check. And and you know, it's but it is tough to find real criticism. People, you know, particularly as you as you yeah. kind of work with people more, they they sort of get a sense of what you're capable of, and and their feedback is kind of based on what they think you're doing as opposed to what you actually might be doing, and it gets tough. But um, you know, but uh, everyone you know, whether it's whether it's readers or whatever, it's all really important. I think the networking thing is is crucial. And you know, like you go, yeah. like you know, I know I happen to know a guy who who works at G four, uh, a guy named Gabe Friedman, who who knows Blair. Oh, yeah. And and when twenty seven was coming out, the first issue, I you know, Gabe saw Strongman, really liked it, and I'm like, can you know, is there any chance you could you know tell Blair about it? And he said he would. But like you know, that is just I happen to know Gabe very randomly through another friend and it's just like things like that you have to when you're doing indie comics create your own stuff at any level whether it's kind of where we're talking about just getting started whatever it might be or you have to work every last angle you can think of you have to be as creative in in networking and working angles as you are in making the book itself like they're both creative endeavors i think and so you know what and charles to your credit i i do have people you know put stuff on my desk all the time i actually read 27 and really liked it and I did talk about it on uh, on Fresh Ink and this was before I think I had ever met you. I remember reading the first issue and going like, oh, this is great. This is really different. And uh, I talked about it on Fresh Ink Online. So it was really, it, it's really cool to find something like that. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's how people wind up. And 
yeah. checking the book out. Well, the other well, thing is that's <clears throat> Thank that's you. important. That's very kind to say. Um, but it's hard because I mean, Blair, if you're anything like me, and I think you might be, you get a lot of comics. Yeah. On a daily, like t- more than you could ever read. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I mean, everyday PDFs, and a lot of it is not good because it's people's first efforts. They're doing it themselves. They're trying. They're trying to figure. It's very hard to sort of parse those things out. And uh, you know, I, I felt the same way. Like when I actually read Charles's, just like whatever the press release was for when it was first available for order. Like I noticed it. I because I like music. So I mean, I like stories about music. I like music. What a dumb thing to say. <laughs> Well, um, and it's also, it's unique and different. Like, it's something that you, like, for example, 27, just to use that as an example, like, you see that book and you go, oh, this isn't, I've never seen anything like this. Like, the closest analog uh, I could think of is phonogram, and that's, it's not even, not the close. books are totally different. They're night, they're night and day, you know, they're both great in their own way, but it's something unique um, because there are so many superhero books that when a superhero title comes across my desk um i i've read so many superhero books it's really impossible to sort of get fired up about another cape and cowl book whereas you know a book about music or um i remember underground the jeff parker book i was like somebody wrote a book about spelunking i feel the same way rangers i'm gonna read that well you know that's the thing is that and everything has that supernatural twist to it i'm I'm not calling you out on it charles but (laughs) like there's so many books now that will have like some mafia with vampires and you're just, which is American vampire, but uh, you know, which isn't always bad, but it's really hard to, to stand out and do something because people are trying to like hit some magic genre thing and, and it gets very old and repetitive. Uh, from the, so, I mean, what I'm saying is if you're doing a book, make it really good. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's good advice. Yeah. I think it's everyone tr- can take that. Advice. It's actually, it's so true though. Uh, you know, yeah, like actually, it's- but don't be a, like, honestly, it is better to do something and suck at it and then keep doing and get better than to, you know, wait and wait and wait and wait, which is, I think, a little bit of a, you know, thing I've done wrong. Uh, well, I, tell, tell the story that you want to tell that hasn't been told before. Like, if no one has, if there's that tale that you want to tell and, there, you know, there haven't been, um, you know, 14 different iterations of it, like, don't try and write the next kick-ass, you know, or the next, um, I don't know, Spider-Man. Like, try and... You know, it stuff that really appeals to me is is unique, um, and is sort of something that I haven't seen represented in comics. It feels like there's a lot out there. It's 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 hard though, because you know, for me, I, I know that the stuff that I like when you you talk about something like Underground or you mentioned Greg Rucka, like the thing that I love is that he does stuff that's real. There's no flying. There's no monsters. Yeah. There's nothing. And and on the one hand, like I love it, but the the market uh today doesn't necessarily support that stuff so it's a it's a tough you know and and in, in in saying that that's if you know how the direct market works that means by not support it that means that the shops don't think their customers will buy it or the customers you know in order for the customers to get it they have to know about it and take a chance on it three months ahead of time which is right. weird and messed up and it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario oh, it's like awful. if it's unique enough to get attention it might also be unique enough that it that it narrows your your market and your fan base at mm-hmm. least initially yeah, you know, I was I was on a um, today. I, I was just kind of got fired up. I basically yesterday on on my blog, one of the top search triggers was 
you know, 27 second set download. Like people were looking for that. They, they Googled that and then found my blog. And that uh -huh. told me that people were looking for the torrent for it. So, so I, I went and, and sort of did some research and, and found a, you know, like basically a chat room sort of thing where people were talking about it and, and torrenting and kind of, they were all downloading comics. And I talked to people about, and this is where a lot of those, the actual people who scan those books kind of hang around and, and, you know, I was talking to them about why they do it and so on and so forth. And, and as part of that conversation, I was like, you know, this really hurts creator-owned comics, smaller books and stuff. And they're like, well, you know, we do it to give people an opportunity to sample that stuff because so much of it is terrible. And I'm like, well, that's not, you know, that's not true. You look at a book like Phonogram, which is fantastic. And, you know, they, <laughs> you know, that, that really deserved attention. And I think that, it, you know, it, it, it should have survived. And, and they, um, they were like, none of them had heard of it, which was kind of kind of a weird, it wasn't what I expected. Like, you know, these are presumably the people who are like the uber comic fans who are taking the time to spend an hour to scan a book and do all the rest of it. And they, you know, they didn't, they didn't even know some of the greater sort of the, the really solid creator and stuff that's out there. It was sort of a weird conversation. There's, there's a, there's a lot of product and not many readers relatively. Yeah. yeah. I read, I read, a, I was, I'm reading a, a book about the golden age, which I, I love reading books about the golden age of comics, by the way. Um, and then I read a, a stat that in 1942, there were 140 something titles on the stands and 50 million readers. Wow. Today there are there've got to be well over 200 titles on the stands on a monthly basis mm. and maybe 300,000 readers. I I was uh on a I was listening to to Steve Niles talk about this and he said I think it was like you know a decade ago they canceled one of his books cuz it only had 70,000 readers. <laughs> oh. He was just so bummed out. Oh God, only seventy thousand. Yeah, I've, I've had that, <laughs> that conversation. That would be like a, a, a just a runaway hit today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was talking to Joe Casey about that because he was saying that you know when he did Cable way back, it was like his first book. Uh, it was. Um, uh, he was, you know, selling in the 70, 80,000, something like that, and it was sort of mid list, and no one really paid attention to. It, it was considered that would be top ten book today. No question. Terrifying. Terrifying. But you know, uh, I, I, I know we're, we're sort of, that's painting a gloomy picture, but I also think, like, it, it, the, here's, the, here's the one thing that I, that I want to say, because I think it's really important. Like, we've talked about all these obstacles to, to sort of getting out there and getting published, but at the same time, like, the really incredible thing about comics, and especially now, you know, with web comics, um, we, with image, the barrier to entry, um, as far as, not as far as talent goes, but as far as your ability to make it happen mm -hmm. um, is lower. I think that, you know, if you're a writer and that's that's what you do and, and you are not an artist, then yes, you are going to have, to have to get over that hurdle of finding someone willing to collaborate with you and either paying them or, or having them take a gamble on you. But that's convincing uh, one person... Um, and if and if you decide, okay, I'm going to web publish this, um, you know, that's not maybe the the most feasible economic model. But you can get this thing that you love out there for people to see it. And there's something so um, appealing about that. You know, it's not like a, a film where you have to convince 50 or 60 people. You know, I kind <laughs> I I kind of like I I find the barriers to entry to be a little bit inspiring. Because if you're willing to go through all of that stuff and you understand that, you know, the comics market's really small and that you've got to do all this stuff, but you're still going out there to make this, the story, 
Like there's there's something so that and this is my favorite thing about comics, and I've I've been saying this for a really long time is that for the most part, if you're working in comics, we're not talking about those 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 screenplay adaptations from earlier, but for the most part, if you're working in comics and making comics, it's because you really love comics and you want to, because there's no yeah. other reason to do it. Yep. And and that lends an urgency and a passion to to comics uh, that that you can't find anywhere else. That's my favorite thing about them. And it, it gives you when when someone you know wh- whether it's on Twitter or, or you know you meet someone at a con or whatever when you get that you know this was really a good read I really enjoyed it is is like so satisfying and I guess I guess both you guys will will be having that happen to you soon and it's it is worth all the work and all the effort believe me. Cool, Bob uh, Blair, you got to get going. If I'm, uh, I, I can hang out for for a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. Um. um I, you I, know, go ahead, Josh. That was. I was just uh, seeing where we are in time. I'm going to cut this part out. By the way. Yeah. yeah no. No worries. Uh, can I? Can I add one more thing? Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um. We. I just want to throw one thing out there because we were talking earlier about um editorial and, and not having editorial image, but you know um, uh, I, th- I think you guys were both saying that you sort of have trusted trusted friends in the industry that you pass stuff by. Um, in the case of my comic, there was one person that I actually did pass scripts by, um, but but I think this is sort of interesting. Um, it wasn't a writer, and it wasn't uh, someone in the comics industry. It was a, it was an MMA fighter. I uh, oh. I gave him each script and said, I just want you to read this and make sure I'm not screwing anything up. And he's a guy that that um, that doesn't fight at the highest level at all. Um, you know, he's a he's a guy that. Um, you know, is kind of at the bottom rung, but that's the character I was writing about, and I just wanted him to check the stuff and make sure that um, that I wasn't screwing anything up. Because, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I don't cage fight. I uh, I do not uh, want to get punched in the face, um, and uh, I have not trained uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu because uh, being worn like a human backpack is not fun. So, <laughs> um, so you know, it, for me. In, you know, so much of comics are, are fantasy, but because this was based in something, you know, I, I did a lot of research, and then I wanted to make sure that that voice was authentic. So, you know, I I did pass the scripts when I was done with all of them by him, and and that was amazing to get his feedback. And and it was minimal notes, but it was great if it was something like, oh hey, you know, we wouldn't <laughs> we we wouldn't pull off that move you know i i had a really funny conversation with another guy who was a fighter and i was like could anyone ever go straight from a judo trip into an arm bar Uh, because it was a move that i wanted to put in the comic which is really technical and um i said have you ever seen that in a professional fight and the guy goes yeah because the guy did it to me (laughs) (laughs) and he says but i was so green at the time he's like no one could ever pull it off at a higher professional level but at the lowest level yeah someone could do it you know what's you know what's great about that story, Blair, is that it's exactly the kind like I could tell stories like that about the the random guitar gear that I put into twenty seven, and it's like you know, Josh, I'm sure you could talk about you know, oh. gay cowboys at infinitum. It's like you know, <laughs> not really. Well, you know, you <laughs> there's not a there's not a lot of documentation, which is kind of the point. Anyway, so so my what I'm saying is that these are things that we love, right? And we wrote I, not necessarily yours, Josh. Whatever, that's a story you wrote. But at any rate, these are things that we care about, and and like you know, that's why we're doing it because these yeah. are these are the things that matter to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of writing comics. 
it just I want I want to I, the, my pitch. That's the short pitch. It's the silly pitch. It's it's made quicker. But it, basically, it, did you guys ever read? Uh, it was called. It was the Rawhide Kid that they did. Yeah, when like, they revamped yeah. the Rawhide yeah. Kid, and yeah. he was, it was he was gay for a second, and then wasn't gay. Again. It, but the the first issue of the Rawhide Kid, and it was written by the guy who worked in the, on the Howard Stern show, and it was mm-hmm. one of the most offensive things I've ever read. Like it was just ham fisted and terrible. And and so the idea for my book came from. Well, wait a minute. There must have been gay people. In, in, in 1875, you know, in 1870, you know, like a Civil War veteran. There must have been. And how would they handle it? You know, what would it be like? So it's actually not about that because it's kind of a revenge story because the guy's already dead. But it was just to, like, I took it completely seriously. And you're talking about research was interesting because I found that doing a period story that takes place in 1875 uh, is a wonderful way to procrastinate because every <laughs> at least once a page, I have to look something up. It was really hard to get in a groove. You know, where I'm just writing the things that because I'd keep going, well, what kind of gun would he have? It was this awful, like, it was this thing I had to totally get around and push myself awful? around. No, you loved it. I kind it of did and kind of right? didn't. Right. Well, it was an excuse to stop doing whatever I was doing, which for me, like, I, I, I do like to write and I really like to have written. But in the middle of it, man, I am a moth. What Something else I can do? I can get away from this, you know? Oh, yeah. I get ADD. I mean, listen, I love the fact that I can be like, I'm going to watch the UFC. It's research. It's, oh. it's not research really because I'm just like oh my god I love this stuff you know and I'm like <laughs> I'm like a kid I swear when the big like the really big fights where you're like I've been waiting to see these guys fight for years you're like sitting on the couch like a, like a kid on Christmas morning just mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know beside myself but then in the back of the head I'm always like um, this is research too of course oh yeah so you justify it it's all I mean, research right. The the next thing I'm working on this this thing I've been working on with three artists is sort of has presidents as kind of a, uh, a sort of a, a theme to it. So I I got the first season of West Wing just to kind of get a sense of how modern presidencies operate, and I watched it and loved it. And then I figured I was justified in watching many more seasons of it. So now I'm whatever, yeah, 150 episodes in, and I'm still watching it. But that, that by the way, that's my favorite television series of all time. It's very, very good. It, you know, season five seems like it's taken a dip. Does it? Should I keep Sorkin, going? Sorkin, it? Sorkin, this is off topic, but it's important. Okay. Sorkin left between four and five, and it uh-huh. takes them about a season to figure out. The, the, the show changes after that. There's no doubt about it. Five is rough because everybody starts fighting with each other. And before that, it wasn't that. Before that, it was all these really competent people being awesome. And yeah. after that, they're all like they couldn't figure out what to do. But then it's good after that it's just a different show but it is worth watching five is rough what you're feeling is not unusual <laughs> okay thank well you for yeah, actually you know what this is this is actually a good point uh i find that that um as stephen king said you know in his in his on writing book that the most important thing you can do as a as a writer besides writing is read all the time mm. and i'm constantly paying attention to story all the time which is good because it's part of my day job is to read stories constantly but it, on the one hand it's annoying to watch tv with me on the other hand you know you're I, you should constantly be paying attention to structure and character in every media you know all across the board you know do, do you guys find you do that uh i mean oh, you mean reading a lot I, I don't mean reading a lot but like really paying attention to like you know you're talking about the west wing or just any tv show or any movie or any comic like i'm I no longer can read for fun almost. If it's really good, you can, but I just, I tend to you constantly know, be analyzing, you know, story and the structure and the character and the, you know, you know, we talked about that movie warrior a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in the third act of that movie, I, I'm going to try not to spoil anything because it is a really good movie and people should seek it out and see it. But in the third act of that movie, Blair, based on how they'd set up the characters, I knew exactly who was going to win 
that last match, right? Like it was it was sort of obvious based on kind of the, the way they'd set up their various motivations and what they had at stake and everything. It was pretty clear how it was going to go. And and I don't know that that analysis, like that analysis, like it sort of took away a little bit from what was happening, but I still enjoyed it because it was still a great fight and all the rest of it. Did you like so? So that kind of thing will happen to me from time to time. I'll know what I know. I'm, I know what's. I can just see the the tracks have been laid out so well. I know what's going to happen. And it's just you know it is what it is. I mean it's kind of what we do, but mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean here's okay. So I guess what I would say is that um, for me that that stumbling block of structure uh, of of sort of knowing structure from reading or or watching a lot of of television or movies or, or, or comics that's actually become the barometer for when I know something is really good because you don't notice any of that. You just notice the story. You you know, I've been watching um, Breaking Bad, which is a perfect example yeah. of, of something where I'm, I mean, the structure, it's unpredictable. Um, the narratives are told in really interesting ways. Even the scenes are shot, you know, there's scenes that sort of have like this, um, this leisurely pacing that seems so uh, abnormal on TV yet feels incredible so that when that intensity comes, you know, your heart is beating out of your chest. And with comics too, you know, I'll I'll read a comic and just, if it's something I love, I I was reading um, the Mark Wade's new Daredevil, the the fourth issue. And I, I, I felt, I was reading the comic and all I wanted to do was get up and um, tell everyone else in the office that reads comics oh my God, I can't believe how good this is. Mm-hmm. You know, when I read, um, uh, the other thing I read recently that just blew me away was Optic Nerve number 12, where I was reading it and I was like giggling out loud because I couldn't believe, A, that the guy that does Optic Nerve, which is a, an amazing comic that makes you want to, you know, commit suicide after you read it, wrote something so funny and it was so good and resonated with me on so many levels. And I just wanted to run around and tell everybody like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And it was just filling me with this glee. And, you know, I feel like when what you're watching or reading hits, hits that, um, you know, even someone who who's jaded or who's been too exposed to a lot of media, like that means, that means that person is doing something absolutely right and, and absolutely, you know, hitting all the right notes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's inspiring. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, Breaking Bad's a great example, but you know, if you watch through, I mean, like it's it's such a cliche, but to say like like if you watch The Wire, like mm. just the way that that's structured, and that is actually that is the closest thing to a like a long form sort of comic book series, like a sixty issue Vertigo series or something like that. So it's really interesting to see how that kind of a story you know works and those those arcs and and how you can't predict it, but it all actually fits afterwards. It's not unpredictable for the sake of being unpredictable. You know, it's just it's planned and those characters just all people you know and and for me like those are those those are really inspirational kinds of things those make me want to like oh i have to learn how to write better because you know, <laughs> if you're doing less than this and there's no point um that's what i tell myself <laughs> all right um one and this is actually a uh it's sort of a, a more a technical thing but one of the things that i've noticed is that uh Design is actually a huge part of comics production that I didn't, I really don't know nearly enough about. But, you know, if you're putting out a book from Image or wherever, like, how did you guys deal with uh, sort of having, did you, did you find a designer for it, you know, to sort of get your title and to get what the book's going to look like outside of just the pages and panels and letters? Uh, do you mind if I go first? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so I was incredibly lucky because again, I got Kevin and Kevin was like, Hey, um, I've been working with Chris Crank who, who much like Cher goes by Crank. 
uh, in the comics pages. He's a one one name guy. Um, he's great. He did our logo design and um, our letters, and I paid him for for I'm paying for letters, paying for logo, all that stuff is definitely you know especially our book is black and white. If your book is in color, then keep in mind if unless you're doing like a right split with like the letter and the artist and the colorist, you know you you're gonna have to pay the colorist um, unless that colorist also happens to be your artist. You're gonna have to pay the the letterer. Um, so that's definitely something to, to take into effect. But Crank was amazing because I kind of told him like, hey, I have some ideas for the logo, but I al- I almost hadn't hadn't explored it that deeply. And he came back to me, it blew my mind, with like 40 different, you know, he it was like, it was almost like a proof sheet, like a contact sheet, you know, that you approve photos on, but it was digital. And he was like, check these out, like tell me which ones you like so I know the direction. And like, I think it was like the second the second or third one I saw in there, I was like, wow, this is, this is really great. Yeah. It's, it's like, there's this big learning curve when it comes to that sort of design stuff that a lot of writers aren't even thinking of in terms of anything, but it's so important and you, and you can sort of see the difference in it quickly. Yeah. In our book, we do um, all these fight stats, you know, because I, I sort of am, I love the idea of like fight stats and it, you know, before um, professional mixed martial arts fights, they kind of have these chirons go on the screen. So like those are incorporated kind of into the art, um, and that was all him, you know, working with Kevin and because some of that, uh, stuff I have, um, entrance music cause you know, fighters always sort of walk into entrance music and, and incorporating, um, those big chunks of sort of text of, of names of songs and stuff. It kind of becomes this delicate balancing act because you don't want to take up too much space. You know, I'm, I feel like, uh, one thing I've noticed and I will just speak generally with, with a lot of comics, um, that people are putting out for the first time, sometimes on the ones that, that are very um, tough to get into, you will see word balloons that, I mean, captions that are like a paragraph in each panel. And uh, there was a comic that I read recently, and I, I won't say the name, but I was just like, oh, my Lord. Like, the artist is a great artist. He's an established artist. But it was just... I mean, chunks of text that's, over his gorgeous art, where you were staggered by the amount of copy in there. That's a that's a killer. That's been that's been a problem with some of the relaunch books from DC. But uh, that's that. <laughs> it was it actually wasn't a relaunch book. But yes, I I mean it, it's it's definitely something to to keep in mind. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles, twenty seven is a pretty well designed book. It's not a typical design. Like, how did you how did you approach that? Do you know Do you know anything about design, or did you just find some? No, it's you know it's it's it it goes. I mean, again, Blair said something before that kind of was a relief, which is that she she said she didn't have much of a, a sort of an artist eye or a design eye, and and I do not at all. Whenever mm-hmm. I attempt to do something like that, it just is a is a. Is a it just looks like something throughout. It's it's a terrible disaster whenever I try to design something. So um, I have to rely on the people that I'm working with, and and I think a lot of the you know a lot of the 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 sort of the credit for for the success of Twenty Seven has to be laid at the feet of, of Scott Forbes, who's the amazing artist who does the covers. And you know each cover is is a is a very iconic sort of painted image that that looks different than almost anything else you see on the stands and he's he's really really good and and you know yes you know we do this homage thing where the covers of the 27 books are are sort of they're based on on images that already you know photographs of famous musicians or something like that but really he made them his own um 
you know, I, I had a, I hired a logo designer to design that sort of the, the number logo, which I think is important. I think the logo is one of the most important things that you can do for your book. Um, so, so paying a little bit of money for it to get somebody good to do it seemed like it made sense to me. That's again, that John Rubio guy I mentioned before, the first artist I ever worked with, uh, designed the logo for 27. So it, it kind of, you know, you, if you find somebody good, hold on to them basically. Mm-hmm. So, I so, you, and I think you when know, you make a pitch to image, I mean like that has to be part of the initial, like you have to have cover sort of mock-ups and then like a logo mm-hmm. does not hurt. Yeah, yeah no, to solicit a book, you have to have the cover art in sometimes long before the, the finished the finished pages are uploaded. Um, oh, you, definitely. You know, that when you, because you know, the other thing too is, and I don't know if this is how it works at, at, at the bigger publishers, but you know, at Image, like all the solicitation copy that, that's in previews, all that stuff, like that's that's on you. You know what yeah. it, what its rating is. You know, uh, heart is mature, so please uh, do not let your children buy this book. And it that's is very and that's, violent and has swears. Yeah, and that's anybody doing doing. It's not just image. If you're doing yeah, yeah. an indie book, like you're gonna, these are all things you have to think about and be responsible for. Yeah, um, but I think I think the, you know the I I, I was on a panel at, at at Toronto Fan Expo with with Hickman uh, Jonathan Hickman, and one of the things that he said that that really struck stuck with me was you know he said that he's made a point of making sure that all his creator owned books have a consistent look, a consistent vibe. Uh, a consistent design aesthetic, so that when you see them on the shelf or on on a you know anywhere, you'll know oh that's a Hickman book, and and I think that that is brilliant, and and I think it's something that I'm going to try and steal from him and emulate my own stuff, assuming I get to do more of it beyond just 27, um, because establish you know with with image or create your own no matter where it is, you are your own brand, and and establishing yourself as a brand outside just any one title is a really smart play, and if you can do that from the beginning. And have a smart kind of sense about, you know, how you want to design yourself, how you want to market yourself, how you want to approach the market, how you want to talk to people. All of those things really, really pay dividends. Uh, and and just thinking about all of that, having that in your head, is very is very important. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I, I think it's interesting. We spent a lot of time talking about not necessarily the writing of the books because a huge part of this, as as I think you both know, and we've we've all found is all the other stuff, the, the business stuff, the PR stuff, the design, all that, which is, it speaks to the sort of challenge that is going to be in front of you, which I, I, th- I think is really, uh, <laughs> really interesting. Um, I guess like from a craft standpoint on, on, on the other side, um, like, do you guys study or, or look at sort of other comic stuff or, or, I mean, where are you, where are you coming from in, in sort of making the actual scripts and pages and stuff? Um, uh, do, I, do you want me to take this? Go one? for it. Go for it. Just okay. Oh no, you you go first. Yeah. I think for me, it's you know, it's it's obviously reading everything, reading as much as you can, whether it's the you know the, the superhero stuff, because you know a lot of the the really talented writers and yes. you know just gravitate to that that sphere. So you read that stuff. You read you know the indie books. You read um, you know novels and and articles and newspapers. You're always always reading. So all that stuff informs the story. Right. And then as far as craft, I mean, I think that you I, I, I'm not I don't I don't consciously think about it too much. I just I kind of I would like to think that I've read enough books at this point, whether comics or otherwise, to be able to to kind of have my my way to tell a story. And, you know, it works or it doesn't. And and, you know, you you, you my my scripts are basically 
you know, panel one, panel two, panel three, description and dialogue, and and I I don't I leave the layout up to the artist. Um, I don't I don't get involved with that because as I said before, I have no design sense. So if I did, it would be a problem. Um, I just try and you know not too much text in any one panel if I can avoid it, and and really just um, you know let, tell the story is I don't know this is this is kind of a total cabo, but do my best really like mm-hmm. try to. You know, not think about it too much. Follow the beach where I think they're going to go. Let the story tell itself a little bit, and and just kind of let it breathe. So, yeah, I you know when I before I sort of um went into the script writing process, I had kind of um poked my head around a couple a couple of script varying script formats. Um, you know, I know people that write in Final Draft. They write comics in Final Draft. Um, I've done that. Infinite, That's good. The Infinite I like Horizon, that. which is self-published, is written in Final Draft. Um, you know, I know other people that use a totally, totally different format. Um, uh, I went with um, a format that actually, weirdly enough, um, a friend of mine, uh, John Roy, who has, speaking of, of creator-owned comics, he has a a comic called Power Chords that's going to be coming out from Image, I think, in 2012. And uh, I, his format was really, really clean, and I'm sure he he probably adapted it from from another script that he'd seen. But again, um, it's you know the the page, it's every page that of that I do is its own page. So you know, page one is all in one page, and then I skip completely down to the end and do page two to kind of give clarity hopefully visual clarity for the artist to to make it not so muddy um the one the one thing i'll say is that um and and a lot of this is you know as you collaborate with someone issue one was very very description heavy and very very layout heavy and it was like you know the gloves are this and um you know he's got his hand is like pressing into the mat and uh you know uh, sort of describing things in in really um not minute detail but Probably enough that I'm sure if someone looked at the script for the first time, we go, okay, this is going to be a fair amount to read. It's no, trust me, it was no, uh, it was no like uh, The Killing Joke or Watchmen or anything like that where you just see this insane long page of like text. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, by, by issue two and three, he knows what the characters look like. You know, if anything, I would say, because our book jumps around in time a lot, I would say at this point, Oren has this haircut, Orin's the protagonist, um, and only one tattoo, and it's this tattoo. You know, like, note for this fight, he's at this point, because it's 2009 now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, once you have those characters sort of designed, the the amount of description, and, and as you become comfortable with, with an artist and know that they, they're going to take the ball and run with it and score a home run, you know, you give them a lot more freedom. You know, I, I think the first issue was like super technical because we have a really technical submission. So it was like his, you know, his left wrist is gripping the arm and his legs are, are locked in a triangle position so that his ankle is hooked behind his knee. You know, it was really complicated. And by issue two, I, you know, I wrote a thing that was like, uh, you know, like panel two or in, you know, hits him and it looks like the guy's head is going to come right off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was... How did you learn all that stuff about this? I mean, you know, I, I learned music stuff because I've been a musician since I was three. So that's how I know. But how did you learn about, you know, how to script submissions and such for MMA? Did you study it somehow or what? I mean, I've been watching the sport all my life. So I guess I would equate it to someone um, in football that's, you know, if someone's been watching, let's say football for all the time, uh, for a long time. And it's like, you know, uh, he, you know, he hits someone with an illegal tackle, you know, and is, um, or like horse collars him. So he's grabbed one hand is, you know, around the guy's, 
you know, shoulder pads and he's ripping him to the ground. It, you know, in football, it's like that language comes very easily um, because you've watched the sport so many times. So for, you know, um, for MMA uh, with the submissions and also, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of research and, um, you know, Eddie Bravo DVDs, Eddie Bravo um, does, uh, I think it's 10th uh, Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And if I'm saying that wrong, I totally apologize. But he's like a, a submissions expert and he, mass- he, um, he created a lot of really um, intriguing kind of an American twist on jiu-jitsu with like um, various various uh, positions in grappling, like mission control, um, and which is where you like kind of grab your own your own uh, ankle at, to to kind of hold a guy in place. It's it's really complicated, but so I'll describe exactly what's happening. Like, you know, his knee is is. Uh, I think the one panel that really was tough for Kevin was I was saying like he's pushing off of of the guy's hip with his foot and see it's like really convoluted when I'm explaining it to you but he's trying to pop his leg out so that he can return to full guard and get a submission and that sounds like gobbledygook so what I wound up doing was making it very very technical um, thankfully after the first issue uh, you know it turns out that our guy is more of a brawler than a ground fighter <laughs> I got to just be like, he head kicks someone, and it looks like he's head kicking him into the afterlife. You know. Well, this is this is right. I mean, you can't have ass this stuff. You know, like whether it's MMA or or you know getting the right you know picking the right guitar for the guy you know to fit his character. Like this is stuff you've got to get right. Um, and I think that that is also I think that that informs success, right? Like right. if you if you really are the kind of person who's going to do what Blair just did and and watch the DVDs and make sure that her descriptions are accurate and, and she can see a, a, a panel that Kevin draws and be like, well, you really have to adjust his arm because of this. Or, or I could see something that my 27 artist Renzo Podesta draws and says, well, you know, I think that the position of his hands is a little off. I mean, Renzo's a musician, so he knows all this stuff anyway. But, you know, whatever it is, you, you really need to get these details right. I think it's yeah. really interesting. Just listen to, listen to Blair talk about it. Like you, you, you clearly haven't ha- haven't have asked this, which I think is sort of sort of speaks to what we were talking about earlier. But it's actually it's cool to hear you. Like the details are so important and everything. But the you know the other side of it being, I've found that the like the longer you work with an artist, the the easier and the better it gets because you can. Yeah. You can get to yep. that shorthand. And- I love working with Kevin Mellon. He Ugh. he's awesome. And like again with that that technical stuff, you know, it's really great because, for example, um, I think it was issue one. He sent me the pencils, and and there was a guy doing a, a double leg takedown, which is a really specific move. And I sort of um, emailed him back and said, "This is really great, um, but to properly execute this move, the hands because I think he had the hands on the waist. I said you actually have to have the hands, you know, much lower on the leg because of you know the momentum and how you're taking the guy down." And he was like. Oh, Oh, I get it. Um, and as we went further along, you know, he was he was watching MMA more. Um, so, like, you know, we had a, a page where a guy's applying a Kimura, which is a submission technique. And I was like, hey, you know, the way he's applying it technically, like, he, he couldn't actually torque it from that level. So we would, we would adjust things, you know. But um, for him as an artist, I think it was a real challenge in that some of the stuff I'm describing is like crazy technical. Like it's, it's not like saying like he leaps through the air, or he flies through the sky. It's like, you know, he, he is, uh, you know, doing a, a slam that transitions into an arm bar or a judo throw that transitions into an arm bar. Like that, that is technical, you know, spread over like five panels and it's all broken out very, um, very differently. So yeah, it got super technical and Kevin was a trooper and the stuff he did is fantastic. I've been actually, um, buying a lot of his originals cause I want to frame them and put them all <laughs> over my place. They're awesome. Like there, there are a couple of splash pages that are 
just so I think people are going to like them. It's it's funny because th- that's one way you can go, but at the same time, sometimes getting too hung up on the details can be, I found for me, has been a pitfall um, in that like I had this one scene where in my in my mind, I knew where they were on a map. I knew that there was at a river and there was east and west and whatever. And this climactic scene at the end, the guy comes up over uh, over like the the mountain and the sun's rising behind him. And I sat there for the longest time trying to figure out how that was possible because he was in the east and it was and I eventually oh, was like, you know what? No one is ever going to notice this. Like I have to just move on. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I, th- I think that was what motivated me because I've, I want, you know, one of my hopes, and maybe it's a totally naive one, is I'd love to have people who maybe haven't picked up comics but do love MMA mm-hmm. give this book a try. And that's why I really wanted to make sure that as much as possible I, I got things right because um, I this is a perfect example. I watched the show Lights Out, which is a boxing show, and I really enjoyed that it. But there great. Yeah, there's a scene where he fights in a mixed martial arts fight, and he's fighting Boss Rutten, who is a great mixed martial artist who's playing the guy that he's fighting. But I was going, (laughs) I'm watching the TV, and I actually started annoying the people in the room with me, because I started yelling at the TV, that's not how you do a rear naked choke. He would sink the hooks in. Why isn't he? Of course that guy's going to escape that submission, because he's not doing it properly. And I was like, you know, I'm like all offended. Like, Boss Rutten would know exactly how to do this, because I'm... You know, I take it a little too seriously, and probably there are little things that have slipped in um, that you know I'll, I'll get called on. But I, I, I guess I would say I'm I'm super hoping that that audience, that that MMA audience, who maybe doesn't read a lot of comics, will at least give the book a shot so they can call me on it if I've goofed up. Well, you've got that that thing in the back of your mind of that one expert who's like, I, I wrote a four page uh, World War II story that's getting drawn right now. And that took me the longest. I was like, I got to make sure I have the gun right. I got to have this and that. And like, because I didn't want that one World War II expert to, <laughs> to, to, to get back at me. So the, the, that's definitely like, the, there you know, are real you know, things. The thing is though, you know, I, I know exactly the scene that Blair is talking about. And I thought that scene was totally kick-ass and sweet. Like I, you know, I didn't know anything about MMA. I just thought it was a great fight scene. So, you know, your perspective matters a little bit on this stuff too. It's but. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. I have, I have, a uh, we're gonna get wrapped up soon but i have a craft question that's totally small potatoes but all this but i haven't been able to talk about this with anybody else so i'm bringing it to you guys because i've been thinking about it a lot lately when you're doing a page do you uh how, how do you feel about changing uh the scene on a page does does the whole page usually have to be one place and then the next page has to be something else charles what, what have you found with that I, I have a very particular approach to that, uh, which is that I, I have some rules that I try to follow. Uh, I will never, almost never, uh, change the scene on a page. Uh, there, there are a very occasional times I'll break that rule, but by and large, I'll never change the scene on a page. Um, I try to have every page have its own beginning, middle, and end, so that and, and generally ending with a cliffhanger so that each page is almost its own little mini story so that you could read it from mm-hmm. the start and kind of get a little narrative and enjoy it. Um, I, I set up pages for the page turn, um, which I think any, any writer has to do so that, because, you know, you've got this great, so you've got pages, you know, the, the facing pages. So it's, you've got page one and then page two and three are facing pages that when you open the book, they're kind of like a two page spread, two and three there. And then at the end of page three, at the end of every odd page, basically, there should be some compelling reason to turn that page. And then at the beginning of page four, 
you know, there should be some something really cool to to uh, mm-hmm. like to blow people's minds. Ideally, when they when they turn that page, it's difficult to do that every single time. But yeah. if you if you have that as sort of a, a kind of a basic guideline, then then it tends to work. And and I I would usually. I would not shift scenes even if I can help it on, on like between pages two and three, mm-hmm. um, I would shift page, like shift to a new location on page four so that, that when you turn the page, it's a new location as opposed to changing the location on between pages two and three. Oh, I and, didn't thought uh, that far. That's good. I mean, they're guidelines, but, but yeah. they really, I think, you know, you, 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 a comic book is essentially a visual movie, right? So you, you, you think of ways to, you know, turning the page is like a white, right? It's like a real change of a transition. And, and if you think of ways to use the transition properly and, and give people an incentive to turn the page, and then the biggest incentive is at the end of the issue where you give the huge cliffhanger that gives them the incentive to buy the next one, you know, it's, it's construction. And I think that those, those techniques are very helpful. Yeah. You've really got to watch that. And I see this in pro comics all the time where they'll be, they'll be facing pages and there'll be some sort of reveal at the end of the, of the odd numbered page, which is stupid because you can see it as soon as you turn the page. And then you've yeah. got to read through a page and a half before you get there, but you've already know what's happened. Yeah. Ah, yeah, and uh, I I'm glad that uh, I think you did a much better job than than I did because actually the first issue, um, you know, just trying to fit everything in was really daunting as far as resetting those scenes. You know, there was, um, and I know that I didn't always do it successfully, mm. um, but I think again that's part of the the learning curve, and I. Um, I think given the tools mentally that I had with comics at the time, I did the best job I could. Um, I think I'll, I probably, that's something I will be better about in the future. That's one of those um, learning curve things though. That's what is, we were talking it about. It absolutely is. Yeah. That you kind of can't know until you do it. I mean, I thought one of the best learning experiences ever is to get back finished and lettered pages and then you can see what you did wrong. That's way down the line though. So it's hard, but you'll learn a ton once that starts happening. Should, you know, just as, as something to kind of, that I think we haven't necessarily cut down, that I think might be, maybe not, I don't know. I don't know this go too long, but, um, when when you have a book that's out or when you have a book that's coming out like you do Blair, um, you know th- there's there's the element of sort of press right and or, or getting people to to be interested in it because there's so many books that come out. Frankly, most people are interested in, in only books from the big two and 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 generating interest in anything that we do is so difficult, particularly because your book and my book are not superhero books yeah. and so they're a little different and and. You know, I mean, how, how are you approaching that? I mean, you have you guys, you you both have sort of a unique ability to to talk about your work. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't think you would use it, but I'm curious about how you're planning to kind of get people to talk about it. I, th- I mean, I think doing a, a lot of interviews, um, that's been a big component. But, you know, I almost feel like it's <laughs> it's an unfair advantage on my part. To because the thing is like you want to get you know you work on a book and you want to get it out there as much as possible and you know I I'm very fortunate in that um, you know I've I've been on a show and so people are are familiar with me from that although you know it's it's very like uh, if there's a celebrity level below F list that is where I am and I, I am below that I am so far below that it's not even funny like uh, but but you know. Um, it, there, it's it's great because you know I did like a video game podcast the other day. Um, I talked to a bunch of MMA websites um, because you know I just feel like um, I really really love this book and and I hope people will 
we'll try it out. And so, you know, I've been, I've been trying to do, um, as much press as possible without, um, hopefully fatiguing and oversaturating everyone and making them hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I haven't had to worry about it yet. I'm waiting for somebody to publish something first. (laughs) You'll get there. No, and I know, and I, and I will. And it's the kind of thing, like at this point, like at this point, I can't give up. And listen, you you can't give up. And also, you're in a place where, and and I say this very genuinely, like people want you to succeed. Like this, yeah, that's this terrifying. By the way, is full of people that support you. You know what I mean? Like that in a way that want to support you. And and if you give them something to support that that you care about and that they find, um, you know, find something in that they relate to, you know, they they do want to support you. And I I think that's this is a small community, and I think. You know, despite all the the crazy message board stuff and whatnot, hmm. I think the creators, the people working professionally in it, truly, for the most part, um, I think you know, don't begrudge other people's success. They want to see people succeed. They want to see people make that step. And I feel like creatively, when you do sort of take that step and you have something that you are working on that you're putting out there, like you feel really good about it. it yeah. Sorry, I sound like uh, like bad Tony Robbins or something, but it, it is. It's that thing where you kind of feel really excited and you want other people to feel that excitement for what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's actually, what was, let me, uh, one of the best things about, we were talking about networking, and I think one of the absolute best things about comics today is thanks to Twitter, social networking, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, man, the community is is awesome. Like I've met, I I feel like I'm friends with people now, uh, and and I and I don't uh, this is I don't want to say it, it's like a braggy thing, but I I met people who make comics, and it's been so helpful. Not in terms of like networking or anything, but just to see other professionals talk about making comics all the time and see their enthusiasm and see you know the stuff that they're they're going through and 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 to watch people make friends and become each other, uh, uh, become friends with each other. Stuff like, uh, like comic twart to me is amazing because these are guys who just started a site, you know, because they were sharing stuff on Twitter and all those guys are working now, you know, they're yeah. talented, but that, that like their camaraderie, uh, made that happen, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, Twitter, Twitter is really amazing. And you know, the great thing too is that, um, the, you can contact people and and sort of have exchanges with people that you admire in this industry. You can let people know, Hey, I read that book you did and I really loved it. Or like, I am excited for this next project coming out, um, you know, by this guy that I've never heard of, but thanks to Twitter, everyone was like, there's this Nate Simpson book that's coming out. It's going to be really great. And I was like, you know what? They're right. It looks amazing. And I picked up the book and I just, I mean, was totally blown away by non-player. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I think that I think that the the real the truth of the industry, at least it, at, at where I, how I've experienced, is that the people really do want other talented people to succeed. I mean, I think that you know whether it's the reality or not, we all think there's enough room for talented people to make it work. And and you know, I don't begrudge anybody any success that they have, and I'm thrilled for it. Most 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 of the people I've met have been just fantastic. I mean, there are a few people here and there who are kind of you know dicks for whatever reason, but by and large, they're they're amazing. Mm-hmm. I was going to make a joke about someone I know, but I decided not to because yeah. I'm friends. I, I think I think it's <laughs> sarcasm. To say sorry, you will always run into dicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you go. You'll always run into dicks. Yeah, that makes, that, the, uh, yeah, that, makes that sounded really terrible. That really makes content. me want to leave the house. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay. You coming? No, I'm going to I'm going to stay in today. I don't know. I just but I got a feeling. If I were to paraphrase our entire conversation, it is that uh, you will 
you will be able to get your comic out, but you will have to surmount uh, some some dick-like obstacles on the way. <laughs> Climb those mountains. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh, let's true. let's wrap. <laughs> really, there are dick-like obstacles. I, I just tanked this. I like I like took the the sub and dove down. It's been so classy. It's been it's, so elegant it's so the, far. The, and now so it's staying all classy. I know. I'm sorry. The later it gets, just the more. We can't blue. have nice things. You know. We can't. You can't me Why did you yep. ruin Thanksgiving? Uh... <laughs> I guess let's. I want to go. I want to go through uh, and everybody give. Uh, I guess a piece of a piece of advice, something that you've learned on on the on the road upward that that you're on, uh, that you wish that you had known when you first started. Um, uh, Blair, what 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 have you? What advice can you can you hand out? Oh man, um, it's going to be really scary, and you're going to probably resist. Uh, doing it because like there will be a million voices in your head that are like um, you suck and this sucks and I can't believe you're actually trying to to do this um, but if you can get past that um, if it's pretty it's pretty gratifying to actually know that you made something mm-hmm. like that's that's pretty awesome and even if you made something that maybe um, people don't like critically like the fact that you made something like you you have moved one step ahead of a lot of people and and so that's i I think it's it's good to know that that you can take some comfort in that Mm. most of the people who talk about making comics never do it so you know just the fact that you that you've taken that step and then that's always that's always a really cool thing charles what do you got lay it on me well i got i i've had this conversation with with a bunch of people um over the many many years of my comic book uh, career and and I've kind of distilled it into into three points which is sort of be good be cool and be around and and be good is basically you know work as hard as you can to make sure that your your talent is is where it needs to be like never stop improving yourself uh, and then be cool is is be you know be someone that other people want to work with because comics is a very collaborative medium whether it's your your artists or your you know, the publisher or the editors or the press or anybody you're working with. So you want to be, try to, you know, understand what other people want and, and, and not be, you know, not be egotistical, just be, be cool. Right. And then be around is, is comics is also a very network heavy industry. And so you need to show up, you need to be at the cons, you need to kind of be part of the community, be part of the industry. And, and, and if I think if you do those three things, um, it, it really pays dividends. So, so those are, that would be my kind of distillation, my advice. You kind of you got you kind of took my mine is always don't be creepy. You know? Oh like, yeah, really? don't be creepy. What do they call it? The the no pants law. Like yeah. I, I think that's what I can't remember who calls it that. If it's like the Jana Spenson or whatever the writer, <laughs> it's the no pants rule. Like when they're interviewing writers for a show and they read something and they're like, "This is great." They always do an interview before blind hiring because like that person could show up. Be a fantastic writer and have no pants on. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a there's a high quotient of creepy, but uh, here this is a, this is an actual really a technical consideration. It is from a person who uh, I, I run a website about comics. Uh, this is my tiny little thing that I've noticed. Man, coloring is so important. You have no idea. Bad yeah. coloring will ruin an indie comic so many times. Like color is so important. If you can't get a good color on something, go black and white, man. Because that is, and that is as important as anything else. Because there's that last layer on top of everything, uh, which goes into the production and all that stuff that we were talking about. But man, 
uh, coloring is this it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves when i get when i get books to review and this is me saying it from from a point of view of somebody who's like a oh god i was gonna say gatekeeper but that's so douchey um but as a person you know who, who like they'll show me a book and, and a tastemaker that's what you i am i am a tastemaker that's that's the other hat that i wear but no i'm i swear to god coloring is is the biggest thing that kills any books beautiful stuff will just get ruined with it so really pay attention to that that's important but also that's just a, a bellwether for all of the other things like there are just make just put your best stuff out there all the time but then also at the same time like understand that you you have growth and you have stuff to learn all the time for example never show captain america running without showing his legs i learned that at one point <laughs> i was like that I makes so much sense that. yeah that's I, a good tip yeah. all right <laughs> all right well uh, that is a lot of information to be distilled, and uh, I had I had a ton of fun talking about this, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a real pleasure. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Likewise, I cannot wait to check out Heart Player. It sounds really cool. Oh, thank you so much. I, I hope folks like it. Uh, again, uh, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have nothing to worry about. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. There you have it. Thank you so much to Blair Butler and Charles Zoll for spending all that time with me and speaking so candidly and, and openly. And uh, I hope you got something out of it uh, because uh, we all definitely did. If you want to comment on this show, go to ifanboy.com and you can check out the thread for this show. And uh, you can check out all the other stuff there. There's all sorts of really cool stuff going on all the time. And thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh.